Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a scientist, and I love films. As Albert Einstein once said, Imagination is more important than knowledge, and the remake of A Star Is Born is better than the original A Star Is Born. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, and then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Future guests include Ashling B, John Robbins, and Evelyn Mock, but for episode 15 we have the brilliant Nick Helm. First up, the big news. On Saturday, 3rd of November, I will be doing a live episode of Films to be Buried with at the BFI South Bank at 6pm. There'll be an incredible secret guest, and I might even do some audience answers as well. Tickets are on sale at the BFI website, and the BFI are also offering a special discount code for podcast listeners. If you put the code BURIED in, B-U-R-I-E-D, you'll get £2 off the normal price. So that's alright, isn't it? I suggest you get your ticket fast as it's going to be a cool car. Also, if you do like this show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason that apparently it helps the numbers and it means more people get to hear it and I can keep making it, etc, etc, until we all die or the internet explodes. So, if you don't know Nick Helm, I don't know who you are. But if you don't, he is the star of Uncle and Loaded and his own show, Heavy Entertainment, he has his own podcast with Nathaniel Metcalf, who you'll remember from a previous episode. That's Fan Club. And he's also one of the absolute great stand-ups. He is doing the 10th anniversary performance of his musical horror comedy show, I Think You Stink, at The Pleasance in a couple of weeks. And I highly recommend you go and see it. It was the first show of his I saw. And it's when I thought, oh, I think this man is probably a genius. Check it out. Usual warnings apply to this episode, there is swearing, there are spoilers, and we do touch lightly on dark topics, so feel free to skip any bits that upset you, but don't be a baby and skip all of it, or you'll miss him wanging on about how much he hates the lost world and stuff. So that is it for now, thank you for listening, and I very much hope you enjoy episode 15 of Films to be Buried With. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. 
Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Films <laughs> to be Buried With. With me, Brett Goldstein. I'm here with one of my favourite people in the world and in comedy. He's a writer, an actor, a comedian, a musician, a broadcaster and a sex addict. It's comedy's Nick Helm. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Do you, We've known each other a long time, haven't we? Uh, yeah, how long have we known each other? Uh, at least ten years. Ten years. Anyway, you and I have been mutual friends, it's true. We've been mutual Mutually friends. we've been friends. We've been mutual friends. Yeah. <laughs> so you like films, don't you? Yes. Don't you? Yes, I've always been interested in films. When I was a child at school, uh, we had to do... When I was like... Uh, so this is junior school. Uh, we'd have projects to do, and I used right. to do projects on um, special effects in movies. Uh Oh great! Like, you'd, like I'd, I'd get books out of the library and I'd photocopy yeah. them, and I'd cut them up, and you know there'd be like uh, wave machines and uh, water tanks and stuff like that, and I'd cut them all up. Um, wow. I'd save cinema tickets. One of the worst things I've ever done, yeah, was I saved oh, all my cinema tickets that I ever had. I did that, and then I did a tidy up, and I was just like, this is pathetic. You know, I was like eleven. And I threw them. I made because it was back in the day when they had four holes on, yeah. on the on the on the stub. And so what I did was I got a piece of uh, polystyrene and I put four toothpicks in it. Um, and I used to thread the uh, tickets onto that. And then I, and then when that was full, I got like a like a needle and I used to thread them onto that. Mm. And um, and then one day I was just sort of like, oh, I'm an adult now. At eleven. Yeah, and I, threw, I just threw them out. I, you know, I had Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Like, I, I remember specifically Ghostbusters 2. I think maybe I used that in my little... It's like a scrapbook that I brought in, that, that I did for like a school project. But I've just... And I've always wanted to sort of like write and direct and uh, act, really. And that's how I got into comedy, because uh, it's hard making films. So then I started writing plays, because that's easier. Mm. And then what's even easier than that is stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and then and then through stand up, I've managed to get my foot in the door, and I'm going. You know, I've done some acting and then directing. And You're working your way back to film, aren't you? So I'm working my way back round. Hopefully, one day, so that I can you know, at least write a film. But I'd like to direct one. Oh, I've forgotten to tell you. Oh. Are you going to say I forgot to turn it on? No, no, no. I've forgotten to tell you, and it's it's really it's quite sad news, and I I can't believe I didn't say this first. But um, oh god, I can't believe I didn't tell you this. Uh, but you've died. You died. Oh, no, that's right. I died. Yeah. How did you die? How did I die? Oh, bloody hell. Oh, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. I've probably got my uh, cock stuck in another car exhaust, didn't I? Oh. And it backed up on me. Is this the first time that's happened, where it's backed up? Yeah, normally they... Yeah. Uh, well, normally they, 
the guy that I hired to do the driving, yeah. my driver, yeah. uh, he just sort of like uh, pulls forward and pulls back really. Oh, uh, you just stand still. Bit by bit, I stand still and he does all the fucking for me. Right. But this time, I don't know, he must have fallen asleep mid-manoeuvre. What, and reversed over he you? just reversed over me and killed me. Oh, that's awful. Was your dick, I mean... Did your dick come off in the exhaust as you fell backwards, or did it as in, come out? As in, did it... Did it rip off your... Oh, no, it didn't. Okay. It didn't rip popped, off. Just, I thought it meant to die Yeah, yeah, did it? Uh, yeah. As you died? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I came before I went. <laughs> what's, what's that? In, that's basic instincts. <laughs> Looks like he got off before he got off. <laughs> Great. That's lovely. Don't uncross your legs. That's a lovely uh, death. And um, um, how do you feel about death? Are you a fan? Am I a fan of death? Are you you I worried like about it? Of, uh, yeah, I'm very morbidly scared of stuff. Uh, no, I was, and um, and I, but I like it. I like. I used to be a very um, nervous child, and uh, and be like terrified of um, horror films, and mm-hmm. not just horror films, but posters, not just posters. Like I remember overhearing there was like a TV series that my mum, like a serial that my mum was watching. Yeah. Uh, I think it had sort of like Albert Finney in it or something. And I remember just being at, in a school hall in 1987. So I was like six or seven or whatever. Yeah. And I was in a school hall and she was telling her friends, oh yes, and she was running through the woods and the trees just pushed right through her like like butter, you know. Oh, it's just, oh, it's horrific to what, and I heard that. Mm-hmm. And that gave me na- nightmares for like, you know, it must have been that entire summer I couldn't get that image out of my head. Trees going um, through you like someone just being like split apart by trees. Oh. But um, a few years later, I grew up, and uh, Evil Dead's one of my favourite films, and that has famously got a tree scene in it where a woman gets attacked by a tree. So um, you come from a circle. I did. Do you? Uh, so do I think about death? I do yeah. think about death a lot in real life, mm. but horror films are sort of like my, one of my favourite genres, if not my favourite. Do you have any opinion on what happens after you die? I, th- well, it's, I mean, this is sort of like an existential question, isn't it? And I don't know how deep you want to go with this stuff. But, All the way. Um, All the way I don't, the I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. I think that, I pretty much think that this is it. Right. But I also think that what this is, is, um, is like a miracle. You know, I think that it's weird that we've invented all of these things to sort of embellish what's already sort of an amazing thing. All of the random chaotic uh, pathways that all of these atoms had to had to go, go through in order to create life on planet Earth. And then we're humans and we have feelings and we have emotions and we have connections with other people. And uh, that's like heaven on Earth when, when you find love with someone else, not just sort of like a, a partner, but, you know, as a friendship, like you and me. Mutual friends. Mutual, mutual <laughs> friends. I think that that is kind of like what makes life worth living. And one day uh, we'll die and our bodies will decompose into the ground and we will create uh, trees which animals can feed off and, you know, the rain pours from the sky and, you know, the circle of life, basically. But do you think when when that happens, there'll be no consciousness for you? You won't know that you're... You won't be I aware think that of one day, I think maybe I will die. Mm-hmm. I think I will definitely die. And then I think that... Uh, Seems uh, likely. I, uh, I will be reborn at some point as either another 
a baby or as uh, an animal or as a tree or something like that. And I won't be conscious of this life, <clears throat> but I think that, you know, it's just a never-ending cycle. And I think that um, even if you take that whole philosoph- uh, philosophical thing mm. away, where, oh, yeah, yeah, reincarnational, if you take that away from it, I think that if we live, we die and we create energy and put our, you know, our living energy becomes a dormant energy, which goes into the ground and turns into, you know, wildlife. Living energy again. And then you become a living energy again. And I think that that's scientific. And I think that also that that is a miracle in itself. And Mm. why do you need to invent all this other stuff? And you should just appreciate life for what it is, I think. How often do you appreciate life as it is? Oh, never. I'm so depressed. (laughs) Um, Well, good news and bad news. Um, Is this it? Like, you're just going to ask me a serious question and then you're going to undercut it with, uh, you're dead, how did you die? <laughs> uh, the, the bad news is it's a lovely theory, but it's not actually true. The good news is there is a heaven. Oh, is there? Yeah, and <clears throat> you get to heaven and it's lovely, it's great. Uh, but the people in heaven, all they're really interested in is talking about your life through film. That's They love films as much Classic as Classic Jesus. Yeah, yeah, they love it. Uh, Played by Willem Dafoe. Yeah, <laughs> the best Jesus. So they uh, they want to know stuff. The first the first question is, uh, what is the first film you remember seeing? I could, probably can't remember the first film that I saw. I do have quite a good memory of mm. um, stuff. I was born in 1980. I remember very clearly going to see Ghostbusters with my dad. Oh, really? Uh, what, when it was first out? Yeah, so that must have been 80... I think it was. It came out 84, but it must have been 85. Um, but, and also, I remember going to the cinema. Mm. Um, I had a choice... Between going with my mum and my sister to see Back to the Future or going with my dad to see The Black Cauldron. (sighs) And I went with my dad to see The Black Cauldron. Nice choice. And, well, it was a terrible film. And I think even back then I knew it. That was 1985. I remember that. Um, What is the film that scared you the most? Um, When I was growing up uh, in London and we'd have to go on the underground, there'd be posters for Nightmare on Elm Street films. So there'd be like, I think... The first one was out in like 84, mm-hmm. and then there was one a year. Yeah. And I remember Nightmare on Street 3. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't walk on the underground because I was so terrified of Freddy Krueger. Mm. Like, that fucked me up for fucking years. And then, obviously, there was, like, the beginning of Ghostbusters, which I... Yeah. You know, I, I, my, I, I remember going to see Ghostbusters with my dad, and he would laugh all the way through it. And I'd keep looking at my dad going, what are you, what are you laughing at? You, what are you laughing at? You're... You, oh, that's you're, interesting. What are you laughing at, you nutter? <laughs> this is the scariest film ever made. And it was terrifying. And then when you're older and you watch Ghostbusters, mm. you go, oh, it's a comedy. Of course it's a comedy. But Ghostbusters is one of those amazing films that grows up with you. You know, you watch it at different times in your mm. life and it's a different film. So when you're a kid, it's terrifying. And when yeah. you're slightly older, it's sort of like, oh, you like, I think probably your allegiances to the characters change. When you're younger... You probably like Ray a lot more because yeah. he's very innocent and childlike. And then when you're older and you're more cynical and jaded, then you like uh, Bill Murray, yes. yeah, Peter Venkman. And then when you're when you're when you're like our age and you're older than Bill Murray was when he made it, and you're watching it, and you go, "He's an absolute sex pest," yeah, and he doesn't believe in ghosts at all, and he's literally just hitting on. Sigourney Weaver for the entire film. Mm. And then when you're watching it, you know, so it changes and evolves as you watch it. I think that's quite interesting about Ghostbusters. But yeah, the library scene in Ghostbusters was the most scary. But I'd say, uh, and Flash Gordon, 
when they're putting their oh, hands in the, the hand tree. In the tree. That fucked me up. That was really terrifying. That's I think a great scene. There's two films in my adult life that really affected me. The first one was uh, I went with my friend uh, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released while it was it was banned in England. Mm. And while it was still banned, there was sort of like some loophole, legal loophole, where it was um, uh, allowed to be shown at the ABC cinema on Shaftesbury Avenue, which is now oh, yes. the Odeon, uh, Covent Garden Odeon. <clears throat> but it was an ABC cinema. I still got the flyer for it. Yeah. And I've got a postcard for it. And I think I might have my ch- ticket stamp somewhere. And we went into London because we were living in St Albans and we were friends at school. And he was in the year above me. And we went into London and we watched it. We sat down and the lights go out. And then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film starts. And it's got this crawl with this, yeah. uh, with this really sort of like uh, s- serious voice. Um, voiceover that's like narrating. And uh, I just remember, like, I don't think I've seen anything since that's felt more like, um, I guess the equivalent would be something like Gravity, where when you watch Gravity, it's like a roller coaster. It doesn't feel like a film. It feels like it's an amusement park attraction. Yeah. You know, where it's just like you queue up for 45 minutes to watch a 15-minute 3D experience where you feel like you're in space. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like a totally immersive experience for me. It was absolutely terrifying. I wanted to leave all the way through it. <laughs> yeah. I was out of my mind in in fear. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe how fucking terrifying that was. No film, not The Exorcist, not anything, you know, mm. has affected me like that. Jaws is always consistently scary. But it's also got that, it, uh, it alleviates all that with humour. Yeah. And uh, and it's an adventure film as Jaws well. Jaws has got sort of hope in it somewhere. And it's got that score. You know, not. it's not all, this John Williams' score is not all uh, yeah. the Jaws theme. It's also this huge sort of like flourishing adventure theme, you yeah. know, as well. And it kind of, when they're out on the ocean, and it's got an ending and, you know, a happy ending in a way. Uh, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just relentless. There's no kind of moment where it, like, lets you, winks mm. at you or lets you off the off the off hook, the, hook, uh, off the meat hook. Um, it's sort of just a relentless experience, just absolutely fucking horrific. And yeah. then at the end of it, it's, you know... It's not a happy ending. No. She gets, you know, spoiler alert, but she gets away, but she's lost her mind. And yeah. it's kind of, um, yeah. And I turned around to Phil at the end, and I was just like, uh, I wanted to leave as soon as it started. But I didn't want you to think I was pussy. <laughs> and he said, I wanted to leave when it started too, but I didn't yeah. want you to think that I was... And so if we'd have opened up and been a little bit less uh, macho about it, we would have both left. But I'm glad we didn't, but yeah. fucking hell. It was like you were just like... And then the other film was when I was at university, mm. was Audition. Which... I've never seen Audition. Audition. missing list. Audition is like one of those... It's a, it's not like From Dust Till Dawn, but it's kind of like one of them genre change yeah, yeah. movies where it starts off like this romantic comedy about a widower who sort of um, sets up uh, a TV show so that he can audition... Uh, uh, women to be his girlfriend. It's like The Bachelor, right? He's basically made The Bachelor. But there is this, I think it's a drama or something. Uh, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, he auditions people uh, in order to find a wife as his as sub, sub side project, and then it just gets worse and worse. And by the end of it, it's just horrific. And it's just one of those things where the ending is so horrific. Me and my flatmate 
uh, were watching it. We were at the uni. We were watching it. We covered our eyes. Oh, wow. Well, both of us were covering our eyes, but the sound effects wouldn't let you off. Oh, you know no. what I mean? Sound effects are so awful. It, oh, in audition. Yeah, that's the film that stuck with me as well. But I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the scariest film. I've Texas Chainsaw Massacre is particularly... It's because it's so, like, cheap. It's made really cheap, and there's something really grubby about it that makes it feel even more... It's not a polished film. Like, it's almost like a student film, so it almost feels more real. It's horrible. And people, people say The Exorcist is the scariest film I've made. But no. You've, but you've got to believe in religion. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't believe... I, I think, oh, yeah, there's bits of it that are creepy and all that stuff, but I don't believe... In, but I don't, I don't believe in uh, heaven and hell for a start. Mm. So you've lost me there, you know, yeah. even though I'm in heaven now telling, t- t- talking to you about films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, bang, mate. This so, is ironic. So maybe, maybe if I went back and watched Exodus now, knowing what I know now, <laughs> it well would scared. be scary. And also The Shining, I spend most of my time trying to work out what the fuck it's about. That I'm never terrified by The Shining. I find it creepy and unnerving and all of that stuff. But I don't really find Jack Nicholson you know, uh, with a baseball bat particularly scary. No. Um, so, I, so The Shining is another one where everyone goes, oh, The Shining. I just think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Despite its limitations in budget, it requires no imagination. It's just all there on screen. It's not yeah. gory. It's not particularly gory. So it does leave the gore. You think that you've seen more blood at the mm. end of it than you actually have. But it's grubby. It's just yeah. a really grubby, unpleasant, disgusting really experience. Horrible film. The set was made of real um, animal bones. And uh, I think there were probably some real human uh, skeletons in there as well. It's just, and it, and it looks like it. It looks, mm. straight, you know, Michael Bay did a remake and at no point can it recapture that. It just, yeah. it, it's, it's like, the thing was a low, the original was just a low budget film. Even like John Carpenter's The Thing, which is probably one of my all-time favourite films. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Carpenter's one of my all-time favourite directors. He's never made a film that's really scared me. Right. You know? By the time I saw Halloween, I'd seen like all of the Friday the 13th. Right. And then you go back and you watch Halloween and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Friday the 13th. All of so, um, so, so none of that. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just like none. Of the, the sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre is really interesting because it's um, a comedy. It's a dark yeah. comedy, and it's like the tone is different, and it's very glossy compared to the first one. The first one is just like oh, <laughs> it, could yeah. be, it could be a documentary. Yeah, uh, and it's so grubby and disgusting, and you could not imagine dying in worse circumstances. Yeah, it's really a horrible film. Like properly, there's not much. I only I went to, I think I may have seen it at the same time you saw it like at that one cinema and I just remember thinking oh Jesus this isn't fun like this isn't like a fun I'm not getting any pleasure out of this I'm finding this incredibly unpleasant but at the end of it you feel like you survived yeah you do and that's like it's like getting off a roller coaster yeah. it's like getting off a roller coaster and going like oh, oh let's do that again <laughs> because you, I've, yeah. I've never had a like an almost physical reaction to a film, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, what's the film that made you cry the most in this life? The one that makes me cry consistently. I've got a lot of dad issues. Mm. Anything with a dad in it yeah. just makes me cry straight away. And the film that's made me cry the most consistently is um, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, so Royal Tenenbaums, was, you know, I didn't know anything about it. It was it was it was being released for a limited period early, mm-hmm. um, and I went to watch it. I think I watched it by myself, and it was such an amazing experience. And I spent that. But the first time I watched it, I spent the whole time trying to work out 
who the narrator was. It was really annoying. <laughs> Such a familiar voice. And you go, oh. I would say the Luke Wilson bathroom scene where he's uh, committing suicide. Mm. Uh, that is, I mean, that that's a hard watch. And I watched it again recently, having seen all of his other more disappointing films and watched Four Ten Worlds again. And I was fine all the way through it. And then it's just at the end when you get Ben Stiller and Gene Hackman and Ben Stiller just turns around to Dad and goes, it's been a real, it's been a real hard year, Dad. And every time it's just like burst into tears. It's been a hard, it's been a real tough year, Dad. And every time, like, like I'm just like, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. He'll say it. And then I'll just go... <laughs> Yeah. And I'm a mess. And I just think, you know, it's such it's such a beautiful film. And I think at different points in my life, I've been uh, any one of the Tenenbaum ch- children. Yeah. You know? And then I've also been uh, Owen Wilson as well, who wa- who wanted to be a Tenenbaum, but he wasn't. And um, I, t- I think, yeah, I think it's a lovely film. So I do quite consistently at that. And the other film that fucks me up is yeah. uh, Jesse's song in Toy Story 2. Oh, Jesus. Which is just a fucking... It's horrific. It's uh, absolutely... <laughs> I went to see Toy Story 2. I took my mum mm. to see it when I was at university. My mum visited me at university. Toy Story 2 was on. I took my mum to see it. And the whole film was about letting go. And I just couldn't stop... I couldn't not think of it like a metaphor about a parent letting their child go. Um, or a child letting their parent go. Mm. I was going off to university. And I just saw oh, all of these... <laughs> mirror images and the jesse song is just i think it should be uh banned should be banned i agree i think the toy story trilogy should be banned they're the most upsetting films toy story 3 was like was like a horror film it's like relentlessly manipulatively and i I didn't like toy story 3 so much i thought it i think out of out of all of pixar films the you know you can say oh what about up first 10 minutes of up yeah but then it's followed up by 90 minutes of talking dogs. And yeah. that is bullshit, right? Yeah. I think Toy Story 2, just absolutely one of the most devastating moments in any film. Can you sing the song, a bit of it? No. Okay. When somebody... Lo- no. <laughs> I mean, it's just awful. The, the, fa- the false hope that she gets mm. when her owner picks her up again after a bit, spending years underneath the bed covered in dust just hoping that she'll be loved again. And then when she finally gets picked up and the hope in her face, just before she gets put in the... the, 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 the what? The, the, the car sale box. I mean, it's awful. Do you think you're Jesse? No, but I think we're all Jesse. Yeah. I, I can't, honestly, Toy Story Trilogy are the saddest... I just don't know how they exist. And I, how. Think, I think they're amazing. I love oh, the they're amazing. One. I remember like, when the first one came out, uh, going to the video shop, and uh, it had come out, and I'd seen it at the cinema. Mm. And I used to talk to the video shop owner. And, uh, what was it called, the video shop? It was just called Whitecroft Video, but uh, the owner was called Mick, so we used to call it Mick's Video. Mm. And he used to go in, and I was like, I was quite young. Uh, I used to talk, I, he was like, I didn't have any friends, he was my only friend. I used to go to the video shop quite regularly and talk to him, but I say, "Oh, did you see Toy Story?" He goes, "Yeah, it's like it's like noddy, <laughs> rubbish." And I was like, "Oh, I was so disappointed." Is in that him. when you grew out of Mick? That's when I grew out of Mick. Oh. I was so disappointed in him. It's just like noddy. Mick, it's, it's a profound movie. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think, but there's but the second one 
Fucking hell. Well, second, the message in the second one is, well, the first one is, you're not special. Second one is, everybody leaves. And the third one is, everybody die. dies. Yeah. Fuck you. You're not special. Gene. Everybody leaves, you're going to die. What, what are they going to do with the fourth one? <laughs> also, I saw yeah. Jurassic World, uh, the Fallen Kingdom this weekend. Yeah. That made me cry. Yeah, made me cry. I had a really bad three years. Like, I've had a bad three, I've had, psychologically, mentally, I've had a bad three years. And every time I'd watch anything, like, fuck it, I watched Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, oh my mate. God. So I was sat on my own, three o'clock in the morning, two bottles of wine in me, just bawling my eyes out at the screen. Just, I couldn't believe how sad That's Saving Mr. Banks was. That's the most I've ever was. cried, is that film. Just all the way through, every time the dad, yeah. <laughs> it's like every time the dad comes in, it's just like, I go, oh, God, and at the end, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, well, and so I cry, I spent three years crying all the time. I haven't cried in ages. Like, I haven't cried in maybe... Uh, six months. I'm sort of like psychologically repairing myself, I suppose. And I'd cry at adverts, and I'd cry at you know. Um, I was like, oh, I was watching Edgar Junior going through all these yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd cry at like soap operas and everything like that. Uh, I was fine, and then I went to see Jurassic World, and I hadn't read mm. any reviews, didn't know about it, and the bit when they leave the island just fucking got me. I was just like, <laughs> oh no, oh no, it's really got me. It was really yeah. But, yeah, anyway, Royal Tenenbaums every time, and the most devastating thing would be um, Jesse's song. song in Toy Story. How is your relationship with your dad now? My relationship, with, that's the weird thing. I've got a really good relationship with my dad. I always have had a really mm. good relationship with both of my parents. You know, we've, there's only four of us in my family, and, you know, uh, we all have our moments, but we're, we're you know, we're not a fucked up family. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the father stuff is, but it's every time... <sighs> I, I, do you know what? I guess it's just that I, I, I want my dad to be proud of me. And I don't... Is, is he not? No, he is. But I don't think that it'll ever be enough. Hmm. I don't... I, I want my dad to not worry about me and to be... Not my dad. I want him to be sort of like my friend. Do you? And to be like... Just like, I've done all the fathering stuff and now it's just all fun. Right. Go to the cinema, hang out. But he'll never not be my dad. Hmm. Um, what is the I think you'll have a good one for this what is the film meant to be bad people don't like it it's critically disliked but you're like fuck you I love this film it's almost sort of like history changes without you realising and then you'll read an article and it'll be like you know top 50 worst films of all time and on the list is Cliffhanger and you'll go Cliffhanger? love Cliffhanger Cliffhanger's amazing yeah Cliffhanger, in many ways, is Sylvester Stallone's up. It's got an amazing first ten minutes, first and then there's minutes. talking dogs. <laughs> but, like, um, but like Cliffhanger is a great film. Like, that's one of the tensest. It's not my favourite Sylvester Stallone film, but it's a long way away from being one of the worst films ever made. That opening sequence is one of the greats. What, that opening sequence is one of the tensest things ever made. Yeah, and it's not about Sylvester Stallone punching someone. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's it's like. Um, it's it's uh, a suspense thriller. It's kind of like mm. it's like you know, someone like Hitchcock, and uh, <laughs> but it's like but it's all De Palma. Mm. Although fucking, but it's weird, isn't it? Because Brian De Palma's films came out and they'd always get bad reviews, mm. and then years later people would say they're classics. So I think Cliffhanger is going to come back around. So it's like the other way around. Do you know what I mean? It's just like Blow Up is one of uh, Blow Out is one of my favourite. Oh, uh, that's a great Blow Out is John Travolta's best film by far. By far. And Nancy Allen is in it and she is absolutely fucking phenomenal in yeah. it. And it's got, uh, John Lithgow's in it and he's amazing in it. And Brian De Palma's just done a, it's just such a, 
the whole film, uh, I was talking to Nathaniel about it, and we were just saying that the whole film is basically, it's a cruel joke, right? Yeah. Where the, you watch the whole film, and then the end of the film is just this really mean-spirited punchline, and you go yeah. like, oh, it's just, it's fucking brilliant. I love that. At the time, people were like, oh, but I, so it's a weird question to answer what films are under... Yeah, because I think Cliffhanger was was liked when it came out. I'm surprised. Cliffhanger it's consistently bad. got four stars in the early yeah, times. Yeah. It wasn't even Sylvester Stallone's best film that year, which was Demolition Man, which is maybe his best film of all time. Okay, so that's a, that's a film. Waterworld is a film that always comes up. Yeah, on lists, and you just like you know, I like Waterworld. Dem- I, not only do I like Waterworld, and not only am I a massive uh, defender of Kevin Costner. Me too. Uh, I think Dance with Wolves. That makes me cry. That's one of my all-time favourite films. Yeah. The director's cut, which is like four hours long. Right. I love that film. But, uh, but yeah, not only, not only is that, but it's, it's, um, it's a long way from being one of the worst films of all time. What is the film you used to love when you were younger? You used to always have like rated it, and then you've watched it recently, and you've gone, oh dear, this doesn't hold up at all. Uh, Spaceballs. Doesn't hold up? Spaceballs does not hold up. Oh, no. Spaceballs is shit. <gasps> there were good bits in it. Yeah. And Rick Moranis is always good to see. He, yeah. all, almost all of his bits are brilliant. But do you know what? It's sacrilegious to say. My favourite thing Mel Brooks has done is yeah. uh, the producer's musical on, on, on stage. Agreed. Um, that made me cry. Yeah. I think the producer's musical is, uh, is incredible. But I don't really... Um, I, uh, I really loved Spaceballs growing up because it had a uh, Planet of the Apes joke in it at the end. What's the Planet of the Apes joke? The Spaceball ship t- uh, is like a transformer and it turns into a giant maid. And when they blow, it's got a vacuum and it's got like a maid's hat. And when it blows up, the head and the arm land on a beach. Oh, and no. the arm has got like a bit of the hoover in its hand and it looks like the Statue of Liberty at the end of Planet of the Apes. And two apes turn up. <laughs> And all the space balls are crawling out of the nose of this huge uh, uh, Statue of Liberty head. And the, one of the apes goes, oh shit, space balls. There goes our planet. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and I like, you know, that was like a whole era of going to the video shop of... Um, you and Mick. Yeah, of like Steve Martin video every week and mm. space balls and three amigos and all that. Yeah. This is my favourite question that they ask you. What's the film that has the most meaning to you because of the experience you had watching it? Not necessarily the film. The film might be shit, but it might have been a first date or it might have been, uh, you know, something you did with your dad or something. Like, what's, like, your most special experience of watching a film? Uh, when we were little, uh, my, my dad's uh, dad died. And it was, I remember it was mid-80s, 85, 86... I'm sorry. And it was snowy. It was snowing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, so my granddad, my gra- one, of, one of my granddads died. And uh, oh, we, but we were tiny. We didn't really understand the concept of death. And mm. just like, and we knew. I guess my dad knew that his dad was ill. And, but he didn't really share that with us. Do you know what I mean? He right. kind of put on, he was a, he put on a brave face and he didn't like really share that and then uh, all we knew is that we were going to go to the cinema to see um, Alice in Wonderland but it, I think it was the live action one it wasn't the, it wasn't the Disney cartoon it was well, um, a scary one yeah it's really weird and creepy it might be European yeah but it's like a really weird one 
and we were going to see Alice in Wonderland, and then it's just like, oh, um, we're going to go to the cinema, aren't we, Dad? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I've just had some bad news, you know. And, uh, but he didn't really say it. Maybe we knew that he died, but I remember it was snowing. And then we went to the cinema, and we sort of like watched a bit of it. And then my dad, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't be there. And he said, you know, and we, I think we were at the barbican, and he took us, he got us all, we were there, mm-hmm. and then we all had to sort of like leave, like me and my sister and me. And then we, um, uh, we went home, and then he went up to sort out the funeral. And I, at the time it was like, well, I wonder how that ends. <laughs> But now you just think, you know, obviously it's kind of like... Well, well, so he, he, he just with, was too sad to sit in a cinema. He was dealing with this huge thing. Yeah. His dad had died, you know. And, uh, and I didn't understand the magnitude of that mm. at the time. You know, it was due in the 80s, so we all thought we were going to get killed in some sort of massive nuclear explosion. Right. So I thought that was, you know, that was scary. But I didn't really understand death on kind of like a personal level, I suppose. Mm. So that's, that's I, th- I guess that one's got a lot of meaning to it. So what, he just sort of went, we've got to go home, I can't be sat here. I don't remember, it's such a weird, it's sort of mm. like a very abstract memory where I remember the snow, I remember us in the hallway going to the cinema, I remember us in the cinema, I don't remember getting there, I remember mm. watching some images of this really weird nightmare version of yeah. Alice in Wonderland, and I just remember, or maybe my dad was just like a cinema snob and he didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like, to do with the death. On a lighter note, yeah. what's the film you thought was the sexiest? Uh, the sexiest film that I absolutely abused <laughs> <laughs> was uh, definitely Basic Instinct. Okay, yeah. That was definitely... You can have that. That was definitely the sexiest film of all time. Basic Instinct. But um, that's such an obvious one. Well, we can we can see into the subcategory, which is uh, troubling boners, uh, worrying wide-ons, where you were aroused <laughs> by a film, and perhaps you is shouldn't this have in been... my life or when I was a kid. It always feels like it all feels like it's like when you were a kid. Well, it's, it like, depends. But in my life, yeah, I mean, big fat. Anyway, it's, <laughs> go on. Um, so when I was growing up, though, yeah. Um, it wasn't just basic instinct. When, when I was growing up, my favourite... It was like back in the day when you'd, there'd be sort of like softcore porn on mm. Channel 4 at like 2 o'clock in the morning, if you were lucky. Yeah. I remember I watched all of Roman Polanski's Blade in the Water. Uh, yeah. Was it Blade in the Water? Knife in the, in the Water. I watched all of Roman Polanski's black and white 60s opus, Knife in the Water, hoping to see a tit. Did but, you? No, I don't think there was one. I no. thought, there's definitely going to be a tit in there. Sit in the water? No. No, it wasn't. Um, just a knife. Uh, you know, they'd show like Jamon Jamon, yeah, or Hamon Hamon on uh, uh, Channel Four, like, uh, and you'd see uh, everything in that. Yeah, boys and girls. That's a sexy um, film. One of the sexiest films is uh, Tarzan the Ape Man, starring Bo oh, Derek. My God, just absolutely. Oh, I mean, that is a, just a porn film. There's, there's really very Richard Harris is in it. Stuff. Richard Harris yeah. is in that. It's just loads of Bo Derek. Naked in the Sea, God bless her. Uh, yeah. That's a wonderful It was directed film. by her husband. And wonderful it's just basically uh, Bo Derek playing Jane, uh, yeah. getting absolutely destroyed by Tarzan <laughs> for an hour and a half. Great, with Richard Harris playing her dad, I think. Mm. Going, oh, stop, stop, stop boning it. Stop boning around with Tarzan. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's that. Great yeah. answer. I love that film. And the other one, the other, the other, the weird one is yeah. uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. Okay, which I've never seen. Which is... is that um, Roger Coleman? It, no, it's a, it's a spoof. Uh, it's like a sequel to Kentucky Fried Movie. Okay. Which is John Landis. But Amazon Women on the Moon was sort of like cut into segments and it starred uh, like Rosanna Arquette and Steve Gutenberg in one and Andrew Dice Clay in another one. Okay. And uh, Joey Travolta in another one. And it was directed by Joe Dante and oh. produced by um, John Landis and Russ Myers in it and all this stuff. There's all these little uh, sketches. It's a sketch show, but it's a film. Mm-hmm. It's really weird concepts to do like a sketch film. Where yeah. you just like go, yeah, but some of them are going to be better than others. And that's mm-hmm. what a TV series does really well, is that you just remember the good ones. And then, but yeah. if you've got a film, you've got, what, eight sketches in a film? Or like ten sketches in a film? It's just like you've got to be pretty sure that they're good. And they're not all good. Right. But there were some really sexy ones. Right. And, yeah, I would lose my mind. Maybe <laughs> want to see that one. Hammers Women on the Moon. It's funny um, as well. There's some really funny bits. What is the film you most relate to? What film did you watch and you went, that's me, that is? Whether it's the character or the feel of the film or something. I think I'm a psychopath. I don't. So American Psycho? No, I don't. What do you mean you think you're a psychopath? This question is a very difficult one because I don't... Maybe it's Royal Tenenbaums where, you know, um, I really related to... I'm a very dark, uh, sad person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, I I would really relate to um, uh, Luke Wilson in that film. Yeah, which is a fucking dark thing to relate to. But then also, I'd relate to um, Ben Stiller in that film. I said, you know, and I'd relate to Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, what film would you say about you? Shop Girl. And who do you relate to? Steve Martin? Steve Martin. Really? Yeah. That's a very bleak person to relate to. Yeah. It's a really sad character. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll check... I see that. I actually see that. Maybe I'll maybe you change and stuff, but I remember seeing Shop Girl and being like, ah, oh, if I had money and was old, uh, I'm Steve Martin. Like, as in, I really, everything he, I just really was like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm Shop Girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually saw it with Steve a friend Martin? who said to me, when it finished, she said, oh, you're, you're Steve Martin in Shop Girl. And I was like, yeah. I've, anyway. That's sad. Out of all the Steve Martin characters that you could be uh, related to, you know, I would more associate you with the jerk. Yeah, that, I'd much rather be. Because that's what you are. Yeah, I don't know. But also, yeah. uh, I would say, not that I'm... I'm I, it's, it's weird because I'm really obsessed with Star Wars at the moment, but I'm not... It's not like, oh, I live and breathe Star Wars. Mm. But the bit at the beginning of uh, the, A New Hope where Luke is on the farm and he's looking up at the suns. Yeah. I think that we can all relate to that. Yeah. And at that moment, when I lived in You're St. You're a Disney Al- princess. When I lived in St. Albans and I wanted to get out of... Uh, out out, of, out of my parents' house. And, yeah. I'd look up at the stars and wish that I was anywhere but there. And um, So you're basically Belle in Beauty and the Beast? No, because she's sort of like making the best out of it. But Luke, no, she wants to be out there. They yeah, but, want to be but out she's there. reading books and she doesn't really re- relate to anyone, but she's she loves her dad course. and it's all like that. I think that, yeah, maybe, but I think that there's a real sadness with Luke when he's looking up at the suns. Mm. That is, you don't get that sadness with Belle. You go, oh, I'm surrounded by Belle ends, <laughs> yeah. which is half of my name. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm surrounded by decades. But... Uh, but Luke isn't going, oh, look at all these These idiots assholes. on Tatooine. 
He's not doing it. He's literally just sort of like, he's a lonely, he's got a lonely, sad heart. And and that's what, but that's a lot of John Williams' score. So maybe what I relate to most is John Williams' score. What's the film? That and um, the cool, who's, who's the coolest guy in any film? Who is the coolest guy in Kurt Russell in Tango and Cash. My mate said, my mate said, oh my God, he'd never seen Tango and Cash before. He watched it and goes, I've never seen a performance by an actor of someone that is so clearly meant to be cool and likeable, being more uncool and unlikable. Like, Kurt Russell in that film is crazy. He's so, like, unlikable. Considering that he is the coolest guy in any film. Very likeable. Just absolutely amazing. And uh, Tango and Cash has got one of my all-time favourite uh, uh, misquotes uh, where uh, it came out in 1990 and in 1988 Die Hard came out. And there's a bit where there's a, a car's reversing and mm. crashing into something. And uh, Bruce Willis says, who's driving that thing, Stevie Wonder? <laughs> and you go, yeah, it's funny because he can't drive. And Stevie Wonder's blind. Uh, and in um, Tango and Cash, they just steal the line. Oh, but, really? they, but they get it wrong. And they're driving down the road. And Kurt Russell said, where did you learn to drive? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> and you go, what? There must have been so much cocaine on the set of Tango and Cash. That's you know? funny. Uh, what film do you think, objectively, is the greatest film of all time? Aliens come down, they say, what is cinema? And you go, oh, I better show you this one film then. Might not be your favourite, but you go, this is the greatest film. You're only allowed one here, I'm afraid. What is cinema? I would say, Once Upon a Time in the West. All of the shots are so wide, you know, mm. and you've got some um, amazing uh, performances in it, and everything about it is cinematic. I'd say it's one of the most cinematic, and it's and I I, I do love it. I don't, probably don't love it as much as Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, but it's a classic movie. And on this, I made a few list of, for this list, and a lot of them were westerns, where I'd say, you know, what's the greatest film of all time? What is it? You know, Dance of the Wolves, I think, is an amazing film, but I think that time hasn't been quite so kind through its politics mm-hmm. and uh and if you can cut the politics out and just watch it for the film that it is then but it's difficult to do that once upon a time in the west i think is one of the greatest uh uh films of all time lovely answer i'll accept it that and uh, juice bigger european <laughs> yeah the european one of course uh what's the film that you've watched the most over and over again do you think other than tarzan the ape man uh, only, only extracts. Oh yeah, uh, I've seen Empire Strikes Back. I could watch Empire Strikes Back at any moment. But Empire Strikes Back, I'm so familiar with. I normally put that on to go to sleep. Right. Where it's really comforting. It starts off in the snow, and it's mm. very sort of like um, very uh, bright, though, very bright beginning. Yeah, but it's sort of calming. Mm. And I would say um, a film that I could watch over and over again. American Werewolf in London. I would watch I that any time that's on. Yes. Uh, I, do, I just love it. And that and the thing uh, I got on Forefront uh, VHS on the same Christmas. And then uh, I didn't leave my bedroom because I got a video player and I was watching Tarzan. <laughs> I didn't leave my bedroom because I was just watching the thing and uh, American Werewolf over and over again. Love those films. Um, Predator, I've seen loads. I think that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's best film. Yeah. And I think it does... Uh, it, Every genre that it touches on, it's uh, it's a, it's the best, you know, one of the best. Mm. It's one of the best science fiction films, action films, uh, and Arnie films, war films, Arnie films, you know, monster films. It's like it does the best out of all of those things. Um, having said that, Alien is one of my all-time favorite films, and yeah. that's I've appreciated that more the older I've got. 
uh, where when I was younger, obviously aliens gives you more bang for your buck, but yeah. Alien is just artistically a better film. Uh, North by Northwest, I watch a lot. Uh, really? Commando, uh, North by Northwest is. I mean, I love Cary Grant. Right. North by Northwest is an incredible film. Uh, Commando is um, another Arnold Schwarzenegger film that I really love, where it's it's very short as well. It's eighty eight minutes, and he just kills people and says something funny afterwards, and it's just it's brilliant. <laughs> it's just entertaining. It's like uh, the eighteen for adults, mm. where it's very gory, but it's it's Saturday afternoon kids entertainment. Yeah, um, and then maybe the film that I've seen the most is Army of Darkness. Yes. That's my all-time, I'd say, that's it's not my favourite film anymore because um, I've seen it too many times, I've ruined it. Right. What's the film that made you laugh the most? film that makes me laugh the most, mm. um, I'd say Mr Deeds made me laugh oh, so really? much, so, so hard. Uh, that's, not the, that's not my thing, but I remember I got there quite late. So in my memory, that's one of the films that I watched where I was just in the right mood, hit me right, just in the right spot. I'd probably had just the right amount of drink. Mm. And I was just like, oh my God, it's insane. It's so surreal. It's surreal, is the thing. But I'm not going to say Mr. Deeds. That makes me sound like a fucking moron. But I've just got to say, it's one of those films that everyone thinks is shit. And you actually yeah. go, actually, if it hits you in the right place, it's, it's, it can be good. Um, Naked Gun is, yeah. I think, in my top 10 films ever made. Great. Leslie Nielsen is one of the greatest comedians mm-hmm. on, that, that ever lived. Uh, and Naked Gun is a perfect film. Yeah. From beginning to end. Yeah, I just think it's absolute. There's not one bit that I don't like. It's got amazing uh, musical montages using the exact right songs. I love LA. Something tells me I'm in something good. Those those songs are amazing. Uh, they're, they're just I. I've got such a happy, fond place in my heart for Naked Gun. I love it. Yeah, with an absolute passion. I like it more than Airplane. Although yeah. Airplane is genius, but if I had to pick one. I'd have to pick Naked Gun. I love Priscilla Presley in it. Mm. Uh, uh, George Kennedy in it. I just uh, Ricardo Montalban. Obviously, O.J. Simpson's in it, and he's good in it. Yeah. Um, and if you you know really hate O.J. Simpson, what better way than to watch a film where at the end of it he gets pushed down a flight of stairs on in a wheelchair? And <laughs> yeah, it's fucking. Uh, I love the Naked Gun. Uh, what's your worst film of all time? The Lost World, Jurassic Part Two. Thank you. Um, what is? Because uh, I think Jurassic World One is it's not good. Awful. Yeah, it's not good. But, but Fallen I would Kingdom, say great. Fallen Kingdom. It's weird. What, so what? What's the order for you? Jurassic Park from. Come on, what's your order? I go Jurassic Park top. Mm-hmm. I like the Lost World. I like the scene with the windscreen. I think it. Oh man. That's such a great I, I don't think that... I mean, I, honestly, you say, what is your least favourite film of all time? Mm. And it's Jurassic World, the Lost... Jurassic Park, the Lost World. And I just don't understand how... I would say yeah. one good... I think there's two good Jurassic Park films now. Mm-hmm. But until The Lost World, Fallen Kingdom, there's one good Jurassic Park film and there's a bunch of shit films, mm. you know? It's like... I'd say my second favourite one would be Jurassic Park 3. Because it's a ninety-minute B movie, yeah, dinosaur that one's movie. You're in and out. I didn't even know it there's was no out. Science in that one. It's, no, it's just you're in and out, and there's dinosaurs in it, and you go, yeah, yeah great. And then I'd say the Lost uh, Jurassic World, Jurassic World would be the third one because it's just like fine, but it is shit, but fine. I don't find it offensive. I just find, it, except for the bit when the 
assistant gets carried off and killed. Yeah, she's, she's done nothing wrong. She's got one of the, she's the first female to get killed in a Jurassic Park film. Hmm. And um, and her crime was being on the phone. She's the only she's the only character uh, to, in that film to be killed on camera. Hmm. Uh, even the bad guys, even Vincent D'Onofrio, he doesn't get killed on camera. The camera pans away. She gets this really horrific, drawn out <laughs> yeah. uh, scene where she gets like uh, final destination. Carried off. And she's screaming the whole time. And at one point you think she's been saved and then she's not. And then just when you think she gets killed and it's just, and it's, and it goes on for ages and it's horrible. And you go, well, she didn't deserve that. What's the, all of the Jurassic Park deaths in all of the films are like morally, they're either yeah. morally uh, sound or they're heroically uh, set up. Yeah. Like, like Muldoon in Jurassic Park. He goes, oh, clever girl. Mm. He doesn't say, oh, clever girl. He goes, clever girl. But like even him, it's just like he gets a hero's death. Yeah. But he's doing the right thing. Or you get um, you know, Dennis Nedry in the first one where he's stealing all the stuff and he gets lost. And it's a dramatic irony where the one thing that he went off, everyone says, are they going to do something with the shaving foam and all of the... Yeah. And, you go, and, and all the embryos from the, he, he, mm. that he... And you go, no, it's dramatic irony. The whole reason why Jurassic Park failed was because he set a chain of events into motion that eventually uh, bear no bearing on the plot, where he was going to steal the embryos and give them to someone, mm. and he doesn't even achieve that, and everyone is fucked. What's your favourite film? The Lost World. What's your favourite film, and you can't give me lots of answers, just one. What's your favourite film? It, Army of Darkness. Do you know what? I'll stand by that. Army yeah. of Darkness is the film that has... Whether I like it as much now because I've ruined it or not, mm. that's the film that has changed my life the most. Okay, so you've been excellent. We've all loved talking and listening to you. However, when you were run over by the, your own driver with your dick in the exhaust pipe... Yeah, I'm embarrassed about that now. No, it's a shame, but it's how you died. The problem is, when you, your body was squashed by the car, it was squashed in such a way that when we stuffed you into the coffin, it turned out there was only room for one DVD out of everything we talked this about. This is the same question as... No, it's not, because in, in heaven everyone gets movie night where they're going to show their, their film. What's the film you're, you want in it? Is it Army of Darkness? Well, that's my favourite... I'd say that's my favourite film, but, but I reckon someone else up in heaven probably likes Army of Darkness. You reckon that's already there? So you've got, uh, you're allowed a DVD? Yeah, one DVD. To take Do you mean it. a DVD disc or DVD box? Disc. What? It's just been slid in the corner. With your squashed body. No, just give me a DVD box. All right, you can have a box. Okay, cool. But you can't have like a box set. No, I don't want a box set. There's a DVD extra on the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves uh, mm-hmm. uh, DVD special edition yeah. of Pierce Brosnan doing a making of Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. What? Where he talks. It's before he was James Bond right. and after Remington Steele. And it's like he's auditioning for Warner Brothers to do have a job. Right. And he basically spends the whole time kissing Kevin Costner's ass. Right. Like, he's not with Kevin Costner. Yeah. He just keeps talking about how wonderful Kevin Costner is for this entire thing. He makes all these awful jokes. <laughs> he talks in a faux British accent. Great. Uh, um, he's, it, it's absolutely spectacular, and I recommend anyone to see it. We're on a genuinely what's good yeah. level. Uh, if I was to have one DVD, Brett, yeah, I would DVD. pick uh, the DVD extras for The Expendables. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a, it's called Inferno, the making of the Expendables. Yeah, the that's what I'm showing on the movie night. The making of the Expendables. It's very much 
Hearts of Darkness for the shit right. straight to video action crowd. <laughs> um, Nick Ham, you've been a wonderful uh, dead person. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm going to let you go to heaven with the making of. Well, the Hook, I hate Hook as well. Hook's one of my all time. I love Hook. Thank you so much for me. I, and I also quite like the last word, Jurassic Park. Thank you so much it's for being here. You've been excellent. This is going to be first lad one film up in heaven. Super Bowl. Okay, thank you. Good night. That was episode 15. Thank you so much to Nick Helm for coming on the show. Don't forget to go to the BFI website and get tickets for the live show on November 3rd and use the discount code BURIED, B-U-R-I-E-D. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it, to Acast for hosting it, to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the artwork. Go to iTunes or Acast, subscribe, leave a five-star review, tell your friends, do all the admin you have to do in the modern world to remotely enjoy anything, and it would really help the show. Also, if you've not seen Superbob yet, get on it! You can get it on iTunes and other places like that. Come back next week for more films to be buried with, where I will be joined by the brilliant Ashling B. But in the meantime, have a good week, and please, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more. Online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.